Uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Um, if we haven't met, my name is Nate. I'm the senior minister here at Hillcrest Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us. If you are a guest, or maybe this is your first or even second time here, uh, I'd love the chance to meet you, put a name to a face after the service. Um, that's where you can find me, just directly outside these doors. Uh, so we've been in this series called Living in the Vine. What we've been doing is we've been looking at what it looks like to be in a relationship with Jesus. Now, I've said each week that it's impossible to, uh, to cover all that could actually be said on what it does look like to be and to live in a relationship with uh, Jesus. And so we've been looking at what Jesus says in John chapter 15, and today we'll get into John chapter 16. And, you know, we've seen the past couple of messages in this series that Jesus actually tells us, look, if you want to prove to the world that you belong to the Creator God, bear much fruit and love one another. In other words, model the life and the ministry and the character of Jesus and love one another. If, if the roof could be torn off this building and the world could see, what does the church look like? Would they see a people that love one another with the love of God, with the love of Christ, and so that's what we're looking at. And to be honest with you, that's actually impossible to do. It's going to be impossible to, to, to live a fruitful life. It's going to be impossible to love each other with the love of Christ unless we have help. And that's what we're going to look at today. We have help to do those very things. We have help to make light of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Um, and so praise God for that. And that's what we're going to look at today. So John chapter 16, I want to read uh, the first few verses in John 16. Actually, no. Uh, I'm going to pick up in verse 7. That's where I'm going to start. In verse 7, I'll read a few verses, I'll pray, and then we'll dive in. So John chapter 16, beginning in verse 7, uh, Jesus says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. What does that mean? That is, this is a very dense passage. It's a very intense passage. Um, there's a verse in here that I want to focus on first, and it says this, the hell, it's to your advantage, Jesus says, that I go. Now that would seem crazy. If I'm with Jesus for three years, and, and he looks at me and he says, it's actually to your advantage if I leave you, but he says, if I do not leave you, the Helper will not come to you. Now, who is the Helper? Let me open up in prayer, and then we will dive right in. Father, I thank you so much for the Word of God. I thank you that it's living and active. It brings conviction of sin, um, that we would look more like you. God, may that be the case this morning. Uh, for those of us who need to be convicted, uh, that conviction through the Spirit is a sweet and good thing. It leads us closer to you. It turns us away from the things that are keeping us from you, keeping us from intimacy with you, Lord. Would you, would you bring that in this room this morning through your Spirit? God, would you do supernatural things in this room today, more than I'm asking you to do, more than I'm thinking or even imagining that you can do, God. Do, do abundantly more through the work and power of your Spirit in this room today. I pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to do a little Bible study just back and forth in John 14, 15, and 16 this morning. Uh, so go back to, if you have your physical Bible, you can. I'll have a lot of scriptures on the screen. I may not have all of them, but I'll have a lot. Uh, but Jesus says in John 15, uh, verse, uh, verse 26, he says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father... He will bear witness about me. And so go back to John 14, verse 16. Jesus says this, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Now skip down a few verses in John 14, verse 26. Who is the Helper? Jesus keeps saying, Who is the Helper? He says in verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. My first point this morning is the Holy Spirit helps us. That's who the Helper is. He is the Holy Spirit. Uh, so go back to John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. 
For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. So unless Jesus goes away, he says it plainly, the Holy Spirit won't come. Why is that? Why couldn't Jesus just give his Holy Spirit when he was there with his disciples? And there could be a lot to be said about why. Uh, I would say one of the main purposes in which Jesus waited to, to send the Holy Spirit to his church, to his disciples, to live inside of those who believe and confess faith in Jesus Christ, are united with him in baptism, is because Primary, one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to make light of the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's to make light of the, 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 the sacrifice that Jesus has made on the cross and the atoning of the sins uh, for all who would believe. Uh, Jesus had not yet done that when he was with them. And so after he had was crucified on the cross, spilled his blood out for the salvation of all who would believe, was, was placed in a tomb, his dead body sat for three days and until he resurrected from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father in glory, until all of that was done, that is the point in the time when Jesus would send his Spirit to his church. And so back in verse 26, but when the Helper comes, in, in John 15, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he's a witness for Jesus. He will bear witness about me. And then look what he says in verse 27. And you also, talking about you, talking about me, will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So how does the Holy Spirit help us? There are many ways that the Holy Spirit helps us that we cannot possibly cover in this sermon. I already preached long enough as it is, but how does the Holy Spirit help us? Namely, He lives inside of us. He dwells inside of us. Uh, but how does He help us bear witness about Jesus? Many ways. Can't possibly ex explore it all. But one, He intercedes. The Holy Spirit intercedes on behalf of Jesus. He is, he is here interceding on behalf of Jesus through His church, through His people. You may find it hard to believe, and I did until I read this, but you may find it hard to believe, but this is straight out of the mouth of Jesus. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in Me, will also do the works that I do. Well, that's pretty cool, but it actually gets better. He says, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Jesus says, when I go to the Father and I give you the Spirit, you will do even greater things than I did. Even greater things than I did. Jesus was just one man. He was just one man. And now he's issuing the same Spirit that was living inside of him to all who will believe. The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives in every person in this room who has confessed faith in Jesus, has been united with Him in baptism, and is filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit. Not a different Spirit. The same Spirit. And Jesus says, because I leave, that you will receive the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit intercedes. Uh, he also leads and He guides. He also leads and guides the believer, and the Holy Spirit leads and guides and directs the church at large through His presence in our lives. And so, I love, and if you go read the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is all over the book of Acts. It's the Holy Spirit leading the church as they grow and, and more people uh, come to believe and come to know Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit uh, doing supernatural works and wonders um, in the lives of people. And in the Holy Spirit, He prevents Paul from going to a certain place. He, he prevents Paul from going uh, to Asia. In fact, it says that He forbid him to go. So the Holy Spirit leads and directs and guides our lives. He leads us. He guides us. He directs us. And, and if you as a Christian in this room right now, if you're in a season of your life, it doesn't matter if you're younger or if you're older, if you're in a season of your life where you're, you're not sure what God's calling is on your life, you're not sure uh, how you should spend this season, how you should serve in the church, uh, how you should interact with people in your job, if you're not sure what God's calling is on your life right now, you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to guide you, to direct your steps. Open your eyes to see, God, where do you want me? How do I speak to this person or that person? He leads you and guides you and directs your life. And He also empowers us and equips us for service in the world as ambassadors of Jesus and uh, to serve in the local church. It should be, and also, the Holy Spirit appoints leadership in churches. That's what the Bible clearly states. It's the Holy Spirit that appoints church leadership. It should not be a popularity contest of how people are placed in uh, leadership in the church. It's the Holy Spirit that calls and leads and guides and directs and appoints church leaders, elders, deacons, ministers, pastors. It's the Holy Spirit first that calls, leads, 
guides, directs, and appoints those who lead in the church of Jesus Christ. And so he leads, he guides, he, he appoints, he directs, he intercedes. You may have also heard the, the Holy Spirit called the Comforter. In the King James Version, uh, instead of Helper, it says Comforter. Maybe in your Bible it says uh, Advocate. Uh, the Greek word, the idea behind the word Helper in the Greek is uh, someone called to help someone else. That's to simplify. Someone called to help someone else or someone called to be one's aid. The Holy Spirit is advocating on our behalf. He's helping us. He's interceding. He's our comforter. Uh, he strengthens us. He instructs us. He leads us. He guides us. And what we'll see here pretty soon is the Holy Spirit also convicts of sin. He also convicts of sin. But He also speaks to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Bible Many of you know this as God's revelation to us. It's His Word. It's living. It's active. And the Holy Spirit brings illumination to it. He brings it to life. This Word is alive. It transforms our lives. When we read it, you don't want to just read the Bible just to check off a box on your Bible reading plan. That's just wasting your time. This Word is living. It has power to transform your heart, to bring conviction of sin, a renewing of your mind. This Word is alive. And the Holy Spirit brings life to it. He illuminates uh, the Word of God. Without the Bible, which is our guidebook, we would be lost. We would be lost. And so God has preserved this. This is all inspired. Every word, every single word in this book, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Different men have authored through this book from Genesis to Revelation, all inspired by the Holy Spirit. And God in His grace has preserved this Word that is living, that is active, for our good for our good, so that we could follow Him, so that we can know how to, how to live and to make light of who He is. He has preserved this Word. It's alive. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to us. I love Acts 13. Acts 13. Uh, the Apostle Paul and many other believers, they're gathered around in a church in a place called Antioch, and they're fasting and they're praying, and they're asking the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide the direction of this church. And here's what it says in Acts two, uh, 13, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the Holy Spirit spoke to them. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me these two men and, and the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit appointed those two men to go and do the work in which you would see uh, as you keep reading uh, where He's leading them. It's the Holy Spirit who spoke. It was the Holy Spirit who appointed, who chose, who called, who directed. The Holy Spirit speaks to us today. Here's just a, a story, a, a practical story I could share with you. My wife, many of you may remember this, Sailor got in a massive, major, really bad car accident back in 2015. This was on 121 heading north to Bonham. Uh, she had fallen asleep at the wheel. Her car tumbled four or five times. Her and her sister were in the car. That iron fence is still damaged the way it is in that picture today. has not changed. They have not fixed it. Um, she fell asleep at the wheel, and as the car was going off the road and she woke up and it began to tumble, the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, close your eyes and hold on tight. Close your eyes and hold on tight. And you may ask her, was that an audible voice? It's just in her spirit. Holy Spirit speaks to us. Close your eyes and hold on tight. And as the car flipped and flipped and flipped and flipped and hit that iron fence, what felt like an eternity for her, shards of glass all in her eyelids. Shards of glass. They said, if your eyes were open, you would have been blind. The Holy Spirit said, close your eyes and hold on tight. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. If the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, He speaks to you. He guides your life. You're not alone. You're never alone. Jesus has given you the comforter, the advocate, to stand in His position, to, to lead and guide your life, to give you life. The Holy Spirit gives life to dead bones. He, bring, he causes new life to happen in a person's life. If you're in this room and, and Christ lives in you and you've come to know Jesus and you would call yourself a Christian, you have literally gone from death to life through the Holy Spirit. From death to life. We had a baptism just a couple of weeks ago. A young man, death to life, filled with the Holy Spirit. Life in him. Life. The Holy Spirit brings life and so He speaks to us as well. And when Jesus is preparing His disciples for His de departure, He says, I'm going away. I'm going to the Father. 
He's not physically going to be present with them any longer. Gosh, if I was standing there, I'd be like, Jesus, no, stay with us, stay with us. But he says, no, it's going to be better for you if I leave. Because when I leave, I'll send you the Spirit. And he'll be a stand-in for me, an advocate, a comforter. He'll lead and guide your life. He'll speak to you. God speaks to us through His Word, through His Spirit. So Jesus says in John 14, verse 16, and I will send another Helper to be with you forever. 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 Another Helper will be with you and me forever. Now this is not another of of someone who's different. This is not someone different. Jesus isn't sending someone different than Him. uh, But rather, another of the same kind. Another of the same kind. In other words, Jesus, as Jesus, if you look at the life of Jesus, He showed the very nature of God the Father in His life. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, shows the very nature of Jesus. We get to to show people what Jesus looks like, who He is by the way we live because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. It's amazing. So that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the Helper, Jesus describes in in these chapters. Uh, But another question is, who is the Holy Spirit? I keep saying He speaks to us. He guides us. He leads us. What is, what is this He business? And that's my second point. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. He's not a, a force or an entity, if you will. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Go back to John 14, verse 17. I'm just going to read you really quickly all of the personal pronouns that you see in John 14, 15, and 16 that the Bible shows us the Holy Spirit is a person. Starting in verse John 14, verse uh, 17, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 15, verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Now skip down to John 16, uh, verse 8. No, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Verse 8. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Go down to verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority. But whatever He hears, He will speak and He will declare to you things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I say that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Eighteen personal pronouns that prove to us that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. You don't just have a thing living inside of you that God gave you. It's a person. It's a person. He's a person. The Holy Spirit... And so we've established that. He's a person. Uh, and I wish we had more time to really unpack because theologically, uh, this, there's some depth here uh, with the Holy Spirit being a person. But in short, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Many of you may know this. Uh, God is one God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son and Jesus, and then God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, not distinct from one another. Okay, but, but equal to one another. In fact, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, is a person who adequately can take on the power and the work of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. You think about that. Jesus says, you will do far greater things than even I did. It's, because, it's not because you're great. You're just not that good. You're not that great. You're not that smart. You're not that talented. You're not that eloquent. None of us are, can actually do the work of God if He does not live in us. So God gives us His Holy Spirit and we can take on the work of Jesus. The only way that's possible is if the Holy Spirit lives in us. And He does. If you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, if, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, if you have not acknowledged it, yes, I am a sinner before a holy God, and I want to place my faith in Jesus. I trust that His finished work on the cross is sufficient for my eternal salvation. If you've been united with Him in baptism, you have been filled with this Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune God, the very power of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in the believer. The Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's powerful. He's God. And He was there in the beginning. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit was there in the beginning of creation. 
He was not created. God didn't say, it's me and Jesus and we need a third uh, person to be there in the beginning. He was there in the beginning from eternity past. Third person of the triune God. The Holy Spirit. He created in Genesis and He recreates life today through a person's life. He, he recreates life. The Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2. He knows the thoughts of God, the Holy Spirit that lives in you. He gives you, uh, me, the church, spiritual gifts. I've said many times uh, on many occasions that each person who's a Christian has at least one spiritual gift, at least one, uh, that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. So he, he equips the church with spiritual gifts. Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, Verse 11, if you want to write that down for reference, he's also called the spirit of life in uh, Romans 8, verse 2. He has set us free uh, from the law of sin and death and has brought life into our lives, the Holy Spirit does. And he is equally divine as the third person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' farewell discourse, you know, from John 13 on, he's preparing his disciples uh, for his uh, departure and before he's crucified. Um, he, he uses Trinitarian language. He talks about this. And he says in John 14, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit, and I and the Father, and the Father and me, and I and you. And so he uses this kind of language. And, and so when Jesus says he's sending another helper, he is sending the third person of the triune God. So we know that the helper is the Holy Spirit. We know that he's a person, that he speaks to us. But where is Jesus sending the Holy Spirit? That's my third point. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. So where is Jesus sending him? Uh, John 14, verse 16 and 17 again, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, Jesus says, for He dwells with you and will be in you. You know Him, for He dwells in you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit. And then uh, skip down a few verses in John 14, verse 23. If anyone loves Me, he will keep My Word. My Father will love Him. And we, plural, we, circle that, highlight that, and we will come to Him and make our home with Him. You see that plural there? Plural? We and our. We will come to Him and we will make our home with Him. God coming to live inside of us. God didn't just, He's not gracious in the sense that He just gave us this thing called the Holy Spirit. He is so gracious in that He gave us Himself. He says, we will come and make our home with Him. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He dwells within us. And so what Jesus is telling us here is that God lives in the believer. God. The Creator God living in us. Sinners saved by grace. Wretched sinners living in rebellion against God. Undeserving of mercy, undeserving of grace, undeserving of forgiveness, of forgiveness, yet God in His grace, in His mercy, and in His love. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The ungodly, and even better than that, He gives us Himself, the Holy Spirit, to dwell inside of us. And I think sometimes we forget the Holy Spirit lives in us. Yeah, a preacher says so in, in, in church, and it's talked about in the Bible, but, but how about in your everyday life? You go get coffee or you go get donuts for your kids. It's like you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And we live in a world where there are dead bones. People living in rebellion against God. They don't know Him. And God has looked upon your life, shown grace and mercy, and given you and filled you with His Holy Spirit. You have God living in you. God. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. That God lives in us. We have Him everywhere we go. But do we recognize that? Do we remember that? Is that in a, at the forefront of our minds when we live in our everyday lives? Or is it just something that we're reminded of and that we believe in this room? We have God living in us. The God who saves. And that's why Jesus came. To save His people from their sins. And so He has given us life. He lives inside of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, God lives in you. It doesn't matter if you're 14 or 16 or 18 or 9. If you have confessed faith in Jesus Christ, acknowledge you have been a sinner before a holy God. It does not matter your age. It does not matter your age. It's not a different spirit. It's not a less powerful spirit. It's the same spirit. So if you're 14 and your, your, your dad is 50 and you live in the same household, it's the same spirit. The exact same spirit. That's amazing. 
that God would look at young people and say, not only will I save you, but I'll give you the power of God. You have the power of God, young or old, to speak life into dead bones in this world. The spirit of truth in which we'll get to here in a second. But think about this, God living in you. The nation of Israel, they didn't have this privilege in the Old Testament. It was Moses who went to talk to God in the tent of meeting. He would go up to Mount Sinai. He would come down and say, this is what God has said. Here's the commandments. It was so that they didn't have the privilege that we have. They had to set up the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God. And then uh, King David had these plans to build this temple, but he didn't get to do it. But his, his son, King Solomon, builds this temple, and that was referred to as the holy place. The dwelling place of God. And, and I think we look at a building like this, and we think this is the dwelling place of God. This is the whole, that's what a sanctuary means. It's a, it's a holy place. But, but this is a room. And these are just walls. And these can come down because God will not be contained in four walls. Now let me be clear. This building is dedicated to the Lord. And by His grace, we have this and we can meet together. And this is what we're doing here is biblical. It's biblical. We should do this as often as we can. It doesn't have to just be one day a week, by the way. But we should do this as often as we can. But this, this is just a building. And yeah, we want to take care of it. We want to preserve it. And we have people like Mickey Love and Kevin Craig and so many people who, who help preserve this building. But it's just a building. God lives in us. The dwelling place of the God of heaven lives in us. Isn't that amazing? If this building were to be demolished tomorrow, I think a lot of us would be upset. I, I would be upset. But it wouldn't stop me from making light of the kingdom because God lives in me. And He lives in you. And everywhere you go, the Spirit of the living God goes with you. You have the power of God in you. The power of God. We have the power of God. Jesus says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14 The word dwelt, you could really look at that word as God is pitching His tent among His people in the person of Jesus. God has come to us. You don't go to a tabernacle or a temple. To, he has come to us in the person of Christ and dwelt among us. Paul says it like this in Colossians 1, 15 and 19. He says, He is the image. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In verse 19, For in Him, Jesus, the, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's Jesus. And so Jesus is God in physical form who came to dwell with His people. And in so doing, replacing a need for this tabernacle or temple, not as a place of prayer or a place of worship, not doing that, but the dwelling place of God is, is amongst His people. Just think about where you go to lunch today. The waiter or waitress that comes to your table. How scared and terrified we are to talk to them about God. But those very people may be so lost and so hurting and so devastated and so mourning and depressed and anxious and, and, and go on and on and on. And, and, and hey, were you there? And maybe you've been there as a believer, but you have God in you. So if a waiter or waitress comes to your table and you have God living in you, we don't say anything What's the point? We have God in us. The hope of eternal glory. And so Jesus was murdered, crucified on a cross, buried, put in a tomb, rose from the dead, went to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father in full glory. And then He sends us this Helper, the Holy Spirit. And He lives in us. And if you've invited Jesus in your life, you've been united with Him in baptism, you have the third person of the triune God, the Holy Spirit, living in you. Meaning the presence of God indwells you. Jesus says this. Uh, anyway, it really, it's, it's, you, many of you know this more than I do, but when computers first became a thing, they were giant boxes, they were heavy, they may have been expensive, so if you had one in your house, great, but you had to go sit at a seat where that computer was, big old box, very confusing, to use, or maybe you had to go to a public library and you had to go into this library and you had to sit down and there's this box and it, it was really weird, but it was like also like changing the world because it was new. 
and, and that, you had to go and you had to sit, or you had to go to a library, you had to be on that computer, but now we have a computer everywhere we go. Just pull it out of my back pocket. Everywhere I go in the world, I have a computer in my back pocket. You do not have to come to this building to experience God. You do not have to come to this building to hear from God. That's obviously the point. We, we, we want to hear from God. We want to worship Him together. It's a biblical thing. But we don't have to come here to hear from Him. We don't have to come here to experience Him. He's not limited to this building or this setting. Everywhere we go, He goes with us. He is with us. And think about that in light of just your life. You have God living in you. And maybe you've man, Nate, I have known that for so long. I've been a Christian 30, 40, 50 years. But in everyday life, everyday life, the, the things that we do that are redundant, the, the, the gas stations we go into, the, the people we communicate with, do we remember that the dwelling place of God is in the believer? God living in us. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Undeserving. But God in his grace has given us his Holy Spirit. And one more thing to mention is this. Jesus says in, in John 14, verse 17, uh, that the Holy Spirit will dwell within us. He will dwell within us. That word dwell in the Greek, same word for the word abide in John 15 that we've seen. It's the same Greek word. If we abide in him, and he abides in us. He, he dwells with us. He abides in us. We abide in him. That's amazing to me. John 14, verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus says, because I live, you also will live. We have a personal relationship with the living God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That God. We have a personal relationship with Him. I've gone out in my house this past week like three, three times to let my dog out to go uh, potty in the middle of the night so it's really dark. And I'll walk out there and I'll just, in my peripheral vision, we'll just see like this light. And it's so bright. And I look and it's a full moon. I, almost, I can almost like grab it. <laughs> it's like right there. If I take a couple steps back, my thumb will just cover it. Like, I can't even fathom that. God created that moon. He placed it where it should be. I have a relationship with Him. <laughs> you have a relationship with that God. <laughs> but how many people don't even know that in your everyday lives? They have no clue that you know that God. What a disappointment that is in the church today across the world. That people, they don't know that we know that God. Not only do we know Him, but He lives inside of us. The God who places the moon and the stars where they are. In fact, the Bible says He knows them by name. Now, I don't know what their names are. Maybe Bob or Mitchell or K9-459er. Like, I don't know what their names are, but God knows what their names are, and I know Him. <laughs> but how many people know that I know Him? It would be a disappointment for me to tell you how many people I've encountered in my life as a Christian, they don't know that I know that God. And all I have to do is say, oh God in heaven, have mercy on me and help me to make light of Jesus. I know that I haven't. That's okay if you haven't, because God in His grace just turns our lives around. He just gives us the confidence and the courage that we need through His Spirit, to make people know, to let people know that we know that God, the God who created the sun and the moon and the stars. Oh, we have a personal relationship with Him. And then the last point I want to make here is the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. The Holy Spirit leads us into truth. So the Holy Spirit's not only referred to as the helper in these chapters, but He's also referred to as the Spirit of truth. And I think I have all those verses on the screen. The Spirit of truth. Next slide. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. John 15, 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me. And then John 16, verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. 
He will guide you into all the truth. And so let's pick up again in, in John 16, uh, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What exactly is being said here? I, I, I have to tell you, I would much rather take application from John 14 than I would in John 16 when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He's talking about convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Just live in me and let me be led by you and let's end it there. But Jesus gives us John 16 and he says the Holy Spirit, who's also called the Spirit of Truth, and he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So this isn't just any sin that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of. Jesus says he has come to convict the world of unbelief, of unbelief in him. Verse 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world of unbelief in the Creator God. The same God who every person who has not believed in Jesus is created in His image and in His likeness. Remember that. Every person you encounter in your life who does not know Him, they were created equally in His image and in His likeness as you and I are. But the Spirit of God comes to convict the world of unbelief. To convict the world of unbelief. We live in a time. It's really no different. You look at the book of Acts, you see the Apostle Paul and all the work that he did. He, he debated and argued and people who had their own truth, philosophical truth. So truth is what people make of it really. Everybody has their own version or idea of truth. Whether that be government, the LGBTQ community, abortion clinics, medical professionals, scientists, everyone has their version of what truth is. But the Bible is clear. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus has spilled out what truth is for us in the Word of the living God. And one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit in the world, living inside of you and me, is to bring conviction to the unbelieving world. Now that is a good thing. That's a good thing. It seems really harsh, but it's a good thing. But how many of us, and really the church at large, has, has, has received so much backlash for wanting to speak truth? So much pushback for wanting to speak truth. The truth in which our God tells us to proclaim the truth in which the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world of. Jesus says when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. I love the Holy Spirit. He gives us what to say. You have to realize God has put you and me where we are in this life. In your community, in your workplace, in your own families, your siblings, your, your parents, your kids. Wherever it is you are, God has placed you there for a purpose. You have the Spirit of God living in you. Do not be ashamed of the Gospel. Do not be ashamed of what the Bible says. It's truth. It's truth. And it leads to life. It leads to life. It leads to life. You know, I mentioned uh, on several occasions, because it's happened on several occasions, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll be close close to closing after this story. Uh, the, the Mormon missionaries have come to my house several times and um, the, the ladies that come, they're, they're called the sister missionaries. And I told you one story when I was in the shower and, and they came to my house a long time ago. And I was like, gosh, I can't believe I missed them. And, uh, but they came back. How crazy is that? They came back. And they came back again and again. And I've, been, I've, got, I've gotten to pray over them. I've gotten to talk uh, Bible with them. Uh, uh, the, the Book of Mormon is, and I've learned so much more, I'm like studying to uh, refute and just in a loving way um, because I have the Spirit of Truth living in me. How, how cruel would it be if, if those who believe something 
entirely different. I've just said, you know, I'm just not interested in what you believe. I'm going to step back and believe what I want to believe, and you just believe what you want to believe, and you just go on your merry way. But I have the spirit of truth living in me. And Jesus says, he will guide you into all the truth. And he gives us what to say. He speaks to me. The God of heaven, seated upon a throne, high and lifted up, will give me the words to speak. And I do not have to be ashamed of those words, for they are truth. They are power. They are life-changing. And they bring life to dead bones. And so, the Book of Mormon is what's called a companion to the Bible. And so, if you study up on this, they believe entirely differently than what we believe. And, you know, to, to keep a long story short, I ask them, what is the gospel? They come to my house saying, hey, do you want to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's the same every time. Do the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I said, do you have to say that every time? The gospel of Jesus Christ. I said, do you know what Jesus' name means? Yeshua, do you, do you know what it means? They don't know what it means. It means to save. Jesus came to save from sin. Do you know what the gospel is? And they tell me their version of the gospel. And it's, in some ways, as they begin to unpack it, the same. Jesus is Savior to them. But they don't know that gospel means good news. Do you know what the gospel means in the Greek? It means good news. I didn't know that. Yeah, it means good news. And what they're telling me is not good news. They have to maintain their salvation for the rest of their lives, is what I was told. You have to maintain your salvation. I, I, I looked at these two girls, probably 19 years old. I said, that does not sound like good news to me. And I told them the gospel. The gospel that by grace you are saved through faith. It is not a works of our own. It is the gift of God. The gift of God. I don't have to maintain nothing. It's given to me. It's a gift. Not by works. By grace, you are saved. Why? So nobody can boast. Nobody gets to boast. Nobody. And so I shared that. And I prayed for them again. And, and um, you know, the Gospel of the Church of Latter-day Saints is not the Gospel. It's a false Gospel. It, it's, it's not a Gospel at all. And I'm not ashamed to, 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 to speak truth into the lives of those who are searching or, or misled. And you know what? You are called to do that too. It's not a preacher. It's not, you don't have to go to Bible college to know the Gospel. You don't have to go to Bible college to, to preach the Gospel, to share the Gospel, to proclaim the good news. Jesus said to His disciples, go into all the world and proclaim the Gospel. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that com uh, command. He didn't say... Go to Bible college. And unless you go to Bible college, don't make disciples and don't preach the gospel and don't baptize. He didn't say that. It's for everybody. It's for you. It's for me. We have the spirit of truth. I'm not ashamed to speak truth. And so the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin. And you are a testimony of a gracious God who in His grace and mercy wants to convict the world of sin to, to bring people to Him what he does it's what he did for you for me he he, he brought us into relationship uh, with him we were a sinner in rebellion against god headed for an eternal separation from god an eternal hell that's that's where we were headed every single one of us on a path to destruction eternal separation from god but god in his grace and in his mercy has saved us He's filled us with His Holy Spirit to proclaim this truth. The Spirit of truth indwells you. And I love what Jesus says, and I'll, and I'll wrap up here. He says, whoever believes in Me, Jesus, whoever believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of His heart will flow rivers of living water. Now what is that? Well, He tells us. Now this He said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive. You have rivers of living water flowing out of your heart. You can at least. The Holy Spirit can just pour out life out of you. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they would see your good works and that God would receive all the glory. We want to glorify God. Spirit of truth lives in us. He helps us to convict the world of sin. You have friends and family members. Do they not know the Lord? Let them see the light of Jesus Christ in your life. The true Gospel. Preach the true gospel. The only gospel. And so, here, we all have a testimony. 
you know, you have a testimony of how you came to know Jesus, how he saved you. You know, um, I have that testimony. I, I, I share that testimony as often as I get the chance. But as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, as you age and, and the longer you follow Jesus and the more you, you are rooted into this and you know this and you live in this and this, this becomes your life, your testimony grows and it expands and, and you just have more to share with people. You are a living, walking testimony that there is a God in heaven who is alive, who's alive. He's working in this world. He's, he's convicting the world of sin. All of these things, but he lives in us. You have a testimony. And we get to share those testimonies with other people. And if they don't want to believe, if they, dust your feet off and go to the next one. Dust your feet off and go. You don't stop. Until you go home, you don't stop. Young or old, you don't stop. Almost like I'm about to sing a rap song. And so we all have a testimony, and so I want to invite Laura Kiggins up here. And what Laura is going to do is she is going to share a testimony over the past couple of years of her life. A woman who's been through a lot. We have many people in our church who have been through a lot. And I want you to hear from her. Uh, the Holy Spirit in her life. The testimony that she has through the Spirit of God. Chris, can you turn this mic on? So Laura, well, yeah, well, so Laura's going to share a testimony. She's going to pray for us. Then we're going to stand and worship together. And then I'll close this out in prayer. Good morning, church family. Wow, that was powerful, wasn't it? Jeez, I felt it. I, my testimony comes from two years ago when my husband and I had moved here from Tennessee to help my daughter with my grandson, as you see him sitting there. Um, we started coming to Hillcrest, and uh, it was on a Sunday. I was getting ready for church, and... I felt something bite me, and I got bit by a spider, okay? This is where it starts. It was really bad. I had ended up in the hospital for three days. Uh, it was really, really bad. It got as big as a grapefruit. Um, but the Lord had spoke to me through somebody else. Now, we all know that God speaks through us, through other people as well. Uh, but he spoke to me through somebody else, and the lady told me to put garlic on it. So what I did is I grinded it down, put the garlic on it for 8 to 10 hours. Y'all remember this now. And as you, pe as you peel it off, you know, the poison comes to the surface and you peel off the, the poison with the, the gauze. Well, I did that for several times and, uh, you know, besides taking antibiotics. So I thought I was cured, went back to work, and... Then they had run all kinds of tests on me due to my age. Um, come to find out, my cancer had come back. So, you know, that was really devastating to me. I'm not going to lie. I, I cried and cried and cried. But then as I know, God works through us. He, he works through us because the devil is after us uh, as Christians. He's got everybody else, so he's going to work really hard to get us Christians. So I left this in his hands. I said, Lord, this is in your hands. You know, you use me as a vessel, whatever that you, you need me. So a couple of months later, we thought the poison was gone out of my body. Well, the poison, they put a port in me. And the poison was still in my body from the spider bite, which it infected my port which I had to go into emergency surgery and have that port taken out and have another port put in to 12 days later after I had some more antibiotics. But that is really weird how that poison had dormanted into my system. I'm like, Lord, what is going on here? But I just kept my eyes on him. I just kept, the Lord kept saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. And not only that, but people from the church would call me, Marianne, uh, Kay, Mickey, everybody would call me. Margaret would text me. You know, I mean, just everybody just kept praying for me. And I felt your prayers. Even my church in Tennessee, where I'm from, they kept praying about for me. And I just kept my eyes on him. The Lord just kept saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. Hang in there. You know, because I knew that he was going to turn this around for his glory. Look at me now. I mean... My goodness, the Lord has healed me. And that, that, that bite, it got as big as a grapefruit. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have a mark. 
not a mark. And the Lord is always with us. I mean, once you give yourself over to the Lord, we have a covenant with him. He protects us. So I had no fear. I felt calm. Trust me, I felt calm. And we were in the times of this COVID-19 where everybody was really, you know, putting masks on and this and that. And they didn't know for sure if they wanted to do surgery on me and blah, blah, blah. But it was like I trusted in God. And I was so calm. I, 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 I have never been so calm in my life. And so I just, you know, I'm healed. It's a process. I'm, I'm still being healed. But the Lord is telling me, to tell you that once you don't don't fear don't fear because God does not give us a mind of fear that's of the devil so what we have to do is just bring down heaven into our circumstances you know once you the devil starts to put fear in your mind bring heaven on down you know reach out to the Holy Spirit reach out to Jesus because I'm a walking witness that Jesus loves us and he heals us. Uh, I was also, before I came here, I was bitten by a brown recluse on my arm. I have no marks. I have nothing. Because I trusted in the Lord that he was going to heal me. And that's what we have to do. We have to give him all the glory and all the honor. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much, Lord for your grace and your mercy every day, Lord Jesus. And I want to thank you for this body of Christ. And that, Lord, that you work through me with this body of Christ to build your kingdom, Lord. And I thank you so much for their prayers, their love, and the unconditional love that you have for each and every one of us, Lord. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.